This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with uh, Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He's a chartered financial analyst and also holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We always want your personal finance questions, uh, the ones that you need answered on Money Talks. And between uh, those calls today, we're going to be talking about Valentine's Day, the history of the holiday, the money spent on gifts, and maybe some tips for an affordable way to recognize the loved ones in your life. As I say, writers ready to answer your personal finance questions. You can contact us by email. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. Also, uh, we have a special thing to do this Valentine's Day. Uh, if you want to have a dedication, a shout-out to someone that's important to you in your life, make a contribution at any amount at mpbonline.org. And throughout the day, we're going to be reading those dedications. In fact, during this hour, we'll hear from MPB's Liz Gill with uh, several times throughout the hour with the the dedications that we've got coming in. But go ahead, go to mpbonline.org to make your contribution and let us know who's important to you in your life on this Valentine's Day. So good morning, Ryder. Hope you're doing well. Uh, What financial news do you have in mind? Good morning. So uh, I know a lot of folks uh, in our audience were watching the Super Bowl this past Sunday, and that in itself is a big economic event, both for uh, both for the city that hosts it. You have so many visitors, uh, both for the NFL, uh, both for, for kind of everybody involved, and, and everyone's watching TV, and everyone knows that these ads cost millions of dollars to buy an ad spot, and they're probably spending millions of dollars uh, to produce them. But one of the interesting things in the past few years, uh, sports betting has become more and more legal in the U.S., and so I was trying to find some good statistics. Unfortunately, it hasn't been long enough for us to know exactly how much was being bet on the game, but there were some estimates that it might be around $16 billion uh, bet on the game. Uh, So uh, congratulations if you won the bet, but uh, and then if you lost, I hope you had enough fun doing it. I would not encourage betting as a as a professional strategy. I know some people would maybe do it kind of professionally, but uh, the the ones who do it professionally well are the casinos and the bookmakers themselves. One of the interesting things uh, I saw was that in uh, Nevada, where they've had betting for a long time, it's very regulated. They have a lot of good uh, data about that. And they were sharing. You can you can you can pull up what the profit margin was. And so last year it was around eight or nine percent. For the last few years, they've been about eight or nine percent profit margin to the casinos. And you think their job is to balance the two sides. They're, they want the odds attractive enough so that people will be betting on both sides, and they're always going to have that margin in between. So that's just kind of interesting to think about how how the house always wins. They, they always have some some uh, take in there. Uh, there's only been a couple of years where they did not have a profit or they, they had a net loss on that. So, 
So kudos to whoever uh, the sports book that sets the line, because as you say, that's the way that they make their money is they mm-hmm. want to make sure there is an equal amount of money bet on either team. And that obviously that makes sense because they've got their bases covered either way. That's right. That's right. The ones that I think are interesting for Super Bowl, especially, I think they're called the prop bets, where you can bet, you know, who's going to fumble the ball first, who's going to, and even kind of crazy ones, uh, you know, dealing with like the national anthem and that sort of thing. And so. Oh, absolutely. And I was reading that those are very attractive to people who don't bet that often uh, because you just, it's, it's fun to bet on. Oh, well, like what side is the coin going to land on? Uh, Who's going to get the first, like you said, who's going to catch the ball first? All of those things. They're just fun, interesting things. And if you're just throwing a couple of dollars at a bet or you're just very casual, better, you do it for fun. It's a it's a way that people engage with the game. You can watch the game. You can read commentary about the game. You can make bets on the game. You can go to parties with the game. So it's just another way to engage with the game. So, again, uh, please gamble responsibly, folks, or not at all uh, is an even better idea. Uh, but uh, it, it is really uh, think of it as just it's part of folks entertainment uh, for that day. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's um, interesting that, that, uh, the, that the way that once sports betting became legalized, that if, if you watch sports on TV a lot like I do, you've really been inundated by the, the DraftKings and the other sports betting mm-hmm. companies and the interesting, you know, we'll give you this uh, free this and free that and that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, Kevin Hart, I know, is one of the, the spokespersons for one of those, and I kind of enjoy uh, his, <laughs> his things. But uh, – yeah, it's it's certainly a, a very, very big business. Mm-hmm. So Valentine's Day honors St. Valentine, surprisingly enough, a priest who was believed to have wedded a number of couples in secret so the husbands could be spared from combat. Valentine's Day has its main roots in St. Valentine and the Roman Lupercalia Festival. The holiday was said to celebrate fertility and the spring season. On other accounts, Valentine's Day came from the martyred priest St. Valentine uh, in 270 B.C., who was killed by the Emperor Claudius. So a little bit of historical background there. That's um, interesting. But uh, if, uh, I think I heard this on uh, either NPR this morning or yesterday, but obviously, Ryder, Valentine's Day is big business. Big business. Yes. If you have any money left over from your Super Bowl betting or if if indeed you won some money with your Super Bowl bet, if you won some money, you're I uh, feel you're probably obligated to uh, take your significant other out, uh, make it extra special. If you lost some money, you probably should do that, too, uh, just to you know make up for it. Um, but it's big business. The National Retail Foundation uh, calculated twenty one point eight billion was spent on Valentine's Day. That was in twenty twenty one. I was looking at some numbers, obviously. We don't know. It's going to be a little while before we can get good numbers. But estimating people are going to spend around $25 billion this year on Valentine's Day. Uh, One thing where... you know, 2021, 20, 2021, obviously different with pandemic. One of the big things to do is, of course, go out to dinner. And that's one of the big ticket items. You, know, you can buy some flowers. You can buy some cakes and cookies. And that's not necessarily that expensive. Uh, going out to eat uh, for a special meal, that can be that can add up a lot quicker. And and that's a that's a significant amount of money. I mean, that's I think it was for the they calculated the households that will participate. Uh, it was a couple hundred dollars a piece. And that is not only spending on uh, each other, on your significant other, that's spending on your children. Uh, if you're buying candy and uh, Valentine's cards for your children's class, uh, that adds up. Or 
Uh, they also had a category for spending on your pets. So <laughs> let your pets know that St. Valentine's appreciates them and wants to save them from war. <laughs> do, do they still do the Valentine's Day in elementary school? I remember when I was, this was years ago. <clears throat> but, we, you know, we'd have to get a card for everybody and you did a shoebox and decorated it and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, and it took up like the whole day because it's <laughs> like, okay, you can pass out your cards now. You walk around. I remember we did it, um, and, and I know you can – I still see them sometimes. The, um, the the basically classroom sets of Valentine's cards are – you know, and they'll come you know, with a bag of candy that you could you know, stick in there. Uh, I, I don't know if they're doing – still doing that. I don't know if that's uh, still popular, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, a lot. A lot of money flows regardless. So am I correct in saying that consumer spending is about two-thirds of the GDP? Is that a kind of an accurate figure? Yes. So we uh, we always say that we are a consumer economy. That's, that is – because we're 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 wealthy and we spend our money. That's that's what happens. Um, so yes, consumer spending is a huge part of our economy. And so I'm guessing maybe today and. Christmas might be a big bulk of, of that, maybe. Uh, well, Black Friday, we yeah, always talk yeah, about yeah. Black Friday is a big deal. Uh, yes. And then we, we often will have kind of throughout the year various holidays don't necessarily have spending attached to them, uh, like uh, Black Friday or I mean, just the Christmas season might imply, but often have promotions and sales. You know, that's the change of the season. You want to get your swimsuit for summer, things like that but um yes the, these these are these are big numbers uh for for any retailer and i bet uh halloween is probably creeping up that list i think that's getting to be more popular at least for the at least for the candy industry that's for <laughs> the candy and the costume industry that's right, right. <laughs> costumes have have come to be much much bigger uh, than they used to be i feel yes. uh, certainly more uh, elaborate they're very expensive, too. I, I got one a couple of years ago, and it was not very well made for the amount of money I paid for it. But, hey, it's it, it's something you could use once or twice a year, so why not splurge? <laughs> uh, if you got a personal finance question that Ryder can help you with this morning, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We've got another number we'd like you to think about today, and you'll hear from Liz Gill in just a moment. We're celebrating Valentine's Day today on Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for listening to MPB Think Radio. I'm Liz Gill. Happy Valentine's Day. We are doing something completely different for Valentine's Day. Today only. Only today until 6 p.m. We're taking contributions to support MPB. And when you give by phone or online, you can also tell us who you would like to wish a happy Valentine's Day to on the air. We'll do that for you. Then you'll also be able to read our scrolling messages on our website, mpbonline.org slash radio. So donate any amount, any amount of money for the love of MPB today, and we'll read your messages. And you can also see them on our website, mpbonline.org slash radio. That phone number, 888-372-GIVE, 888-372-4483. Here's the messages. Love to each individual from James. Happy Valentine's Day to Pap, Emily, Nate, Norman, Paul, Puff, and Rocket Ship from Libby. Hey, Jada, be safe out there driving around on this Valentine's Day. Lover, forever yours, David. And you can have your Valentine message read if you give us a call, 
888-344-4483 or go to mpbonline.org slash radio. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're looking for your personal finance questions today. Uh, between times, between those phone calls, we're talking about Valentine's Day, sort of the business of Valentine's Day. And just a reminder, you heard Liz read some of our dedications. To today we're having something special, hopefully a fun way to uh, raise some money here at MPB. When you call us at 888 888- 372-GIVE with a contribution of any amount. You can have a dedication read on the air to someone who is special to you in your life. You can also make that contribution online at mpbonline.org. So if you're in the mood, make us a contribution. You'll be doing us some good, and we'll read that special message to your special someone on the air throughout the day. And also it's scrolling at mpbonline.org slash radio. Happy Valentine's Day to Rocket Ship Indeed. That was... I like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, we mentioned the, spends, the spending of billions of dollars on Valentine's Day in 2021. Uh, let's talk about maybe what some people are buying. Yes. So classically, folks are buying – well, <laughs> we've discussed Valentine's Day cards. Apparently, a billion Valentine's Day cards will be sent, will be exchanged. Uh, I, I – I'm imagining the bulk of that is within just a handful of elementary schools. They could probably rack up most of that billion. Uh, that is second most to uh, Christmas, where mm-hmm. 2.6 billion cards are sent. Of course, everyone's sending end of the year and Christmas cards. So um, people spend on flowers, people spend on chocolates, people spend on other candies, and people spend big on going out. So about 10% of folks' Valentine's budget, about Two billion uh, back in 2011, uh, 2021 was spent on flowers, uh, and that represents a pretty big chunk of flower sales for the year. That one day represents about 13% of annual flower sales in the U.S. Um, most people do buy some sort of chocolate or candy. I think that's an easy thing to do. And also, most people want some sort of chocolate or candy because who doesn't love chocolate? Uh, it says it says here, interestingly, that 86% of people plan on purchasing chocolate or candy, uh, but 94% of people want chocolate. So I hope you're giving chocolate <laughs> to more than one person because they definitely want it. Uh, you can you can give chocolate to whoever you whoever because they all want. It. Um, and of course, big spending on uh, dining out uh, outside of the home, you know, not only just today, but maybe people, especially with a meal out, celebrating that maybe on the weekend. You know, the candy I used to like with the little hearts with the messages on them. And again, I think that was something from my childhood that I think went away, but I believe is now back. But the little oh, the little like heart shaped candies that say the, love you and that sort the, of thing. The on chalky them. kind of <laughs> pastel, yes. like says like love you or right. I remember when they started going trying to keep up with the times and they were like, text me and, <laughs> you know, What's your Twitter? Things like that. I don't. I don't know if they actually say things like that. But maybe you could get one with just an at sign. I don't. I don't know. Now there wasn't a lot of real estate to write the message. It's pretty on limited, so you have to you have to think creatively. That's what it does. And I was always disappointed at the one where the message either didn't print on there or got rubbed off or something. But 
Yeah. Anyway. Because it's really disappointing if you just have to rely on the, uh, in the, de- on the deliciousness of that particular <laughs> candy uh, for your Valentine's thrills. But, yes, I, I, I'm always open for chocolate in, in any way, shape, or form, although I'm not a big fan of dark chocolate, but that's another story. Ooh. Hey, um, we've got a caller yeah. on the line, so let's uh, answer Dave's question, see what Dave has on his mind. Good morning, Dave. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yeah, hi. Um, I have a question. Uh, it's regarding foreclosure of a house. Close on my house. Does the bank keep all my equity? So uh, it obviously depends on your situation. Depends on because the bank will try to sell your house. So hopefully there would be some equity left over because your equity is not theirs. They can take what they are owed, of course. Uh, but in a foreclosure situation, most of the time in a foreclosure situation. I don't have stats on this, but but a lot of times it's because there is no equity. You know, there, there's no things have come th- things have developed poorly, and there may not be any equity left. If it's just you had a decent amount of equity, and for whatever reason you weren't able to keep up with the mortgage, you weren't able to modify. I would say if you have still have equity. Uh, and if you're talking about your personal situation, if you still do have equity, uh, a bank may be, is probably more willing to negotiate or work out some sort of uh, some sort of new loan, some sort of extension on the loan. I know there used to be a lot of um, federal programs for this. I, I, I do not have them at my fingertips right now. Um, but that used to be a, a good option if you still have equity. But you, the bank can take what it's owed. The bank can take fees and costs of selling, but uh, as far as just taking just generally your equity and what's left over, no, they're not just they're not just uh, rampaging here. Well, the reason I ask is because that actually happened to me years oh, ago my when, the market, when the market crashed. Uh-huh. I had a uh, I had a house and uh, I had fifty percent equity in it, and my lender was Chase. Hmm. So they didn't give me any of those options. And uh, they they took the money and sold it for what was still owned, which was fifty percent of the house. Yeah, and just and just kept the money. Do I have any recourse? Well, I mean that's a terrible situation. I truly, truly hate to hear that. But what you did illustrate was that in the sale there was no equity remaining, and that that's a good point uh, for the broader audience as well, that in a foreclosure, your bank isn't motivated to sell it at the best price. They're motivated to sell it at the price that gets them what they are owed. So say you had $100,000. Right, yeah. So say your house was worth $100,000, you owed $50,000. Bank looks at it, they're like, well, he's not paying on it, we're foreclosing. They don't care if they sell it for $51,000. As long as they're selling it for $50,000, they're getting what they owe, you know, plus whatever fees. Um, so they don't care about paying you back. So that is one thing. Or again, you, if you have, that's a generous amount of equity. And I don't, I do not even remember the names of some of these programs, but, uh, uh, places like the, uh, uh, the Mississippi, uh, housing corporation, uh, they do a lot of housing programs, a lot of lending programs. Uh, they may have resources to help with someone else in a similar situation. Um, if they if they were to have, in your case, sold your house for, say, even 75% of the value, you would have had some equity in that sale, and that would have been yours. They may have tried to take fees out of it to death, but uh, you would have been owed something. 
But yeah, in that specific situation, too. it does not sound like, I mean, it sounds like a, a horrible situation. And, and that's why it's, that's just a horrible situation. And nothing I can do about it at this point because it was years ago. And, Certainly. And they're, a big, and they're a big, you know, a big bank and I'm just one little guy, right? It does not sound like there's much you can do there. Okay. You've answered my question. All right. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> All right, uh, Dave. Thanks for your call. This is Money Talks, and we're looking for your personal finance questions that Ryder can help you with this morning. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Between your phone calls, we're talking about the business of Valentine's Day. And um, it's interesting to me, Ryder, do you think the the, gr- the greeting cards uh, for Valentine's Day, do you think that's something that's on the decline? I, 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 it's interesting to me that people would still Are send you, out Have you cards. gotten fewer Valentine's yeah. cards than well. last year? Are you tracking this very closely? <laughs> no, I'm getting, all, I'm getting all tweets now and emails is what my <laughs> suggestion was. But is electronic communication, do you think, putting a dent in like yeah, I, I, I th- so I mean, I, th- I think it goes a little bit of both ways. One, the electronic communication makes it a lot easier to send Valentine's and g- greeting cards in general, birthday greetings to people. Uh, certainly, just mailed paper letters are on a massive decline since before the existence of the internet and email. Um, but one of the interesting things to me is that. It does make it easier for people to uh, reach more people, usually electronic invitations uh, or or cards. One of the things I notice around Christmas is folks who – in years past, if you had to handwrite every address and handwrite a little Christmas letter or even type a Christmas letter and print multiple copies, I, I get way more Christmas cards than I would anticipate getting. And that's just because a lot of companies have made it easy to to make a very nice, very personal card at a very low cost and a very low effort from people. I don't think people really put that much effort into doing that sort of thing for Valentine's Day. It's just, it's just a different type of holiday. You want, you think of all sorts of people around Christmas and New Year's. Um, so, so I would, I would, I would think that, that, that checks out. And I would also maybe think too, that, uh, if you were not getting as many things in the mail cards and that sort of thing, when you do get one, that kind of gets, maybe makes it extra special recognition of, of Valentine's Day. Oh, it absolutely does. The thing is, I heard an interesting story this morning on Morning Edition about the price of roses has really gone through the roof. And I, I think, Ooh. if I remember correctly, that many of them are grown near the equator. So there's a big cost involved mm-hmm. in shipping them, getting them there. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were uh, – the host was talking to uh, a flower shop owner in Manhattan, I think, and uh, just the the uh, requests were pouring in. And they were saying how busy they were going to be. And everybody wants a dozen red roses. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, that, I mean, it's one of those things where yeah. – <laughs> The, there's this peak demand right on this day. Nobody wants a dozen red roses on the 15th of February. They, yes. they all want them on the 14th. Uh, now, and that's why we have to we have to get so many of our flowers from other places because that's not necessarily in season. They're not actually blooming here, so we have to ship them in. So uh, the economics of flowers, that's a very interesting topic there. Uh, and I think weren't tulips considered currency once in in the Netherlands? So there, there's a, there's a big thing about the two. Uh, I'm 
tulip i know tulip bulbs were maybe used as currency but of course that was a long time ago back when bartering was a lot more common anyway <laughs> but but the big thing is the tulip bubble of i don't know like 1500 or something it was a long it was a long time ago kevin um but essentially people were bidding up the price of rare and interesting tulips and it, it was apparently a craze uh and and just like any other speculative bubble uh people were bidding up tulips, which had no, not necessarily a, a huge lasting value, and and ultimately that that price crashed. But there's a lot of discussion about that. There, people still, you still see new academic papers about the tulip bubble, and they're all kind of asking, did it really happen like this? Like, what what was really going on? And the thing that you mentioned that was an interesting point in the the story this morning on uh, Morning Edition was that it is the pressure. As you said, nobody wants a dozen red roses on the 15th. You want them on the 14th. Uh, so there's a little bit of extra pressure for a flower sales people as well. Yeah, it's like an iPhone release. <laughs> you got to get them all at once. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I'm Liz Gill. Happy Valentine's Day to you. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. And to keep you up to date with what's happening here at MPB, we're inviting you to be part of a campaign we're calling For the Love of MPB. It's got an extra bonus because it's Valentine's Day. We're asking that when you make a contribution to let us know who you want to wish a happy Valentine's Day. Hey, it saves you the stamp. It saves you from having to go buy a card or find those uh, chocolates or the rose that are so in demand, all you need to do is call us or give online and make a pledge in any amount and then let us know what message you would like us to read on the air and stick around because we're reading them in as they come in. So if you but if you miss hearing your message, you can see it scrolling on mpbonline.org slash radio. Just follow the Donate Now link from mpbonline.org slash radio or call us now. We'll help you make a difference. Our phone number is 888-372-4483. Last time, Ryder really liked that uh, rocket ship got a shout out. Well, uh, here's another message to my fiance, Aaron, and my fluffy friend, Mama, Happy Valentine's Day. I love you both very much, Jamie. Mommy, Daddy, and Libby love you. Catalina, have a nice day, Bunny, from Jonathan Jones. Uh, Love, love, love my MPB shows. My favorites are Gestalt Gardener, Creature Comfort, Southern Remedy, and Fix It 101. Thanks for all you do from Lisa Jones. So we hope that you will call us. You can remember two phone numbers. Our phone number is 888-372-GIVE. That's 888-372-4483. Or you can make your Valentine's Day pledge from mpbonline.org slash radio. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He's a chartered financial analyst and holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. And if you could see the look on Ryder's face when we had that dedication talking about the, the popular shows, Money Talks was not on the list. So if you're out there listening and you love Money Talks, 
Go ahead and make a contribution <laughs> and, and, and send out a, a shout out. Uh, yeah. Ha- uh, happy Valentine's Day, Lisa Jones. Uh, feel free to call in and just chat with us. I know you're listening. And here's the thing. Even if it's not your favorite show, I do appreciate uh, you listening. We do love all of our listeners here at uh, Money Talks. We have another caller on the line, but one other quick fact to, to uh, work in here about the business of Valentine's Day. Women purchase approximately 85% of all Valentines, but men spend almost twice as much as women on Valentine's Day gifts. Mm. Interesting. I, I, yeah, I can see that dy- dynamic for sure. That's because they figure they've messed up somehow, so they have to overspend in order to... They're probably those last minute stopping at the grocery <laughs> store on the way home for some flowers, just getting the kind of <laughs> dented and scratched flowers <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> Like We've that. all been there, the, folks. The, the dented and scratched sale on the flowers. That would be where I would go. Straight to the bargain bin. And this is why people aren't sending you cards, Kevin. Because <laughs> you gave them the dented and scratched flowers. And the candies with the message rubbed off. Uh, we've got a call on the line, so let's go to Sue in Alabama. Sue, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yes. Um, my mother, she'll be 88 years old this year, and she has the money and uh, something that's got like a lifetime rider benefit. We really don't understand Oof. all of that. But anyway, she has 95000 That's her balance right now. And that was the same balance this time last year. And they said because of the market, you know, she didn't, uh, it didn't, didn't grow. Or, you know what, I'm, what I mean? Yes. And so we were, it's, it's coming due. And we were wondering if we should maybe just, take it to the bank and put it in a CD where you're guaranteed supposedly, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a certain rate of interest Mm -hmm. or, you know, we don't know what to do. Sure, Sue. It sounds like your mother has an annuity uh, as uh, the pr- it's an insurance product, an annuity. Uh, they, they do have some features kind of like you describe very often in exchange for the fees that you pay for the guarantees, etc. They may have some stipulation where uh, there's never a down year in the annuity. I, they can have a variety of underlying, not necessarily investments, but some may be set up so that they just earn a fixed rate of interest. Some may be set up so they earn uh, some sort of stock-like return. Maybe it's capped. I have seen them as drastic as you're in the S&P 500. It's capped at 3%, but you'll never go below zero, uh, which is which is a pretty awful trade to make. Uh, obviously, last year being a down year in most stocks and bonds, then that looked pretty good because it didn't have a loss. One caution I have, uh, when you mentioned the lifetime rider, then that, that made me think of an annuity. Those You often pay for that fee, and if you, it doesn't sound like your mother is withdrawing. Is she using that for income? No, uh, and, and in fact, we thought, well, you know, we talked with a guy and, and said maybe she should start doing that. She just, she just didn't need it, mm-hmm. and she really doesn't need it now, but there's, there's another number in there. It's like 125000 And he said if she that's – what, that's what's in there, I guess. But if she takes it out, she only gets ninety five. So right. we don't understand. That it, what is – 
Yes. So sure. Annuities are very complicated products. And without looking at your specifically, I, I don't know exactly what those numbers are, but just as an example, some sometimes that number is simply, well, the surrender value is lower. And a surrender is when you basically you cash in that annuity contract and, and they'll have oh. fees and they'll have generally very large fees, especially if it's a newer contract. And so the lowest number is probably going to be your surrender value. The highest number is always some, uh, sometimes they might call it a contract value. Sometimes it might be like a, an income value uh, or an income base. It's just, it's effectively just a made up number. They have some calculations according to the product that you bought. They have some calculations that just kind of make up a number which is used to base calculations of how much income it can generate off of it. Uh, if she is not using it for income, and it sounds like she may not, at her ripe young age of 88, she may not yeah. need it for income, then you may not need the specific features, that, especially that guaranteed lifetime uh, rider are are giving you. Uh, so it may make sense to take that to the bank. Of course, it does depend on what type of annuity it is. Some can be IRA annuities, some can be non-qualified, and those are just special tax types. It depends on what the tax consequence of taking that out would be. If I were you, I would find uh, an advisor, find somebody who does look at folks' personal finances, will look at your personal finances, a fee-only person who does not sell insurance. I, and and I, I don't mean to say that folks who sell insurance just can't handle this, but if you're a person who sells insurance and somebody walks up to you with an insurance product, you're bias is going to be towards another insurance product or to keeping it in that insurance product. But having someone who, who isn't, doesn't have the bias towards the insurance products wants to look at it, look at your mother's uh, financial situation uh, as, as a whole, then that might be, uh, serve you well. So we wouldn't be crazy just to take it to a bank and put it in a CD? You wouldn't, uh, well, not necessarily. Again, the, the, I don't know what the tax consequences of that might be. It could be that there's no tax consequence. It could be that there's there's just going to be very little gain there. It could be that it's in an IRA and you put it in an IRA at the bank. Uh, they would certainly be able to help you with that and help you understand the tax consequences if you do take it to a bank. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Thanks, Sue, for your call. We're looking for your personal finance question on Money Talks this morning. You can always email us, money at mpbonline.org. Also, another number we're wanting you to keep in mind on this one-day Valentine's Day drive is 888-372-GIVE, 888-372-GIVE. When you call that number and make a contribution in any amount and have a special dedication you'd like to send out to someone that means something to you on this Valentine's Day, we'll read it on the air for you. You can also go online to MPB Online. So make your contribution. Think of whatever dedication you want to give to that special person and then listen for it throughout the day on the air. We're also scrolling all the messages at mpbonline.org slash radio. And in just a few minutes, Liz will give out some more of those dedications that are just pouring in uh, here this morning. <laughs> 
Uh, Ryder, another interesting fact about Valentine's Day is the longer the couple is married, uh, it's uh, an interesting factoid. Uh, right. So the longer a couple is married, the l- least likely they are to celebrate Valentine's Day. I think that kind of makes sense when you think about it. you're probably spending the most the most money and effort during your early years, during your courtship uh, on each other when you're married. Uh, these things kind of may, may kind of fade away and, and you may use the excuse, oh, well, every day is Valentine's Day. We love each other so much. But that brings to mind something people often ask around relationships and money is when is it appropriate to bring up money topics in a relationship. And I have always been an advocate early, early and often, because when you're talking about money and when you're talking about why is money important to you and what you want to do with money, you're talking about these big goals, uh, you're talking about the future, you're talking about your your values, which you hope to share with a partner. You don't want to get deep into a relationship and realize you both have totally different ideas about what you want out of life. You don't want to get deep in and realize your values are totally different. You know, one of you wants to travel all the time and one of you never wants to leave the house. Uh, now, if 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 the one of you who wants never wants to leave the house wants the other person out of the house all the time, and if the one who likes to travel likes to travel alone, maybe actually that is a match made in heaven. <laughs> but you don't have to say, I have X dollars and I make this many dollars and I'm going to spend this dollars on my vacation. But talking about why we work for the money we have, why that's so important for us, it, that is romantic stuff. And that is talk, that is relationship building material right there. This is Money Talks. John is holding on the line from Mobile. John, we'll get to your call right after this. Stay tuned. Liz Gill has uh, details on this special fun thing we're doing for Valentine's Day today on MPB Think Radio. It's MPB Think Radio and Valentine's Day. I'm Liz Gill. February 14th. Did you remember that it's Valentine's Day? In case you did forget, no worries. We have a way for you to do something special for a person, a pet, an organization, or anyone in your life. Make a contribution for the love of MPB Think Radio. When you do that... Give us that dedication you would like to make on the air and say Happy Valentine's Day to someone special in your life. We're going to be reading them till 6 p.m. tonight, and you can see the messages on our website, mpbonline.org slash radio. All you have to do is call or text the word GIVE to our number, 888 888- Three seven two four four eight three, or take three minutes to do your part at mpbonline.org/radio. We have some hot off the presses messages to my Bonnie Kate. Life with you keeps getting better and better. Love you from Davis. Please be my Valentine, Levi. I love you, Jean, from Amber. So if you have a message, we would love to read it. Our phone number is 888-372-4483. This is just going on until 6 p.m. So get them in today or go to mpbonline.org slash radio. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Today, we're talking about the business of Valentine's Day in between your personal finance questions. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. John's been holding for us patiently, so let's go to his call right now. Thanks for holding, John. You're on the air with us now, so go ahead. Thank you for taking my call, Kevin. I had a question for uh, Ryder about a deed back. I'm not sure uh, it would be appropriate to ask him this because it only you know, uh, peripherally concerns 
personal finance. Mm. But um, he's got a wide-ranging knowledge, and uh, <laughs> frankly, I'm stumped. Would this be appropriate? Uh, we'll what? give it a, our best shot. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Uh, th- thanks for thanks for the flattery. Happy Valentine's Day to you too, John. Um, <laughs> and I appreciate you listening and calling. Um, by deed back, are you talking about like a, like a quick claim deed where you, without going through the whole rigmarole of uh, um, a real estate transaction, deed something to some to a person? Uh, this was uh, a uh, an offer made by a um, uh, timeshare company or, or a timeshare resort. Okay. And, um, they uh, this was back in November. I found uh, in my uh, email inbox an offer to do a uh, what was called a simple deed back on this property. Uh, what happened was in 2020, Hurricane Sally. Uh, partially destroyed the place, mm. and uh, so my uh, uh, t- uh, my timeshare fees, the maintenance fees, uh, were just absorbed, and I got no use out of it. So um, this has been going on since then. Um, I called about the deed back. Uh, well, I called about uh, the email, and got I it. was told that this would be, um, they were offering me a simple deed back, and I asked mm. questions about it. Uh, what was necessary, and they said, we'll send you the paperwork. No paperwork. Mm. Um, So, uh, let's see, I waited and waited, and then Christmas and then New Year's came along, and I forgot about it, and then about a week into January, I remembered it, and I called them, and they uh, said, we have no information about uh, the D-back offer. And they referred me to somebody, uh, I think it was a property manager in Florida. Mm -hmm. This isn't sounding good, and frankly, since then, um, (laughs) I've been afraid to do anything. This is not a way to go forward. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so uh, timeshares can be an attractive proposition, i got to be honest. Um, But in practice, uh, have turned out to be just a a real nightmare for a lot of people, and especially your situation. Damaged property, like what can you do with that? Uh, So a D-back, as I understand it, in the timeshare world is a a clause in your contract where you can deed the property back to the timeshare. So uh, effectively, it sounds like to me, you getting out of your timeshare, it's just essentially just the legal way of phrasing how you get out of your timeshare. what I would expect to see now, your particular situation where they're all of a sudden claiming that they don't know what you're talking about—that's a little weird. I, I don't know how to get around that. Uh, besides tracking down the where that original email came from and, and what sort of backing information you had there. But the the thing with timeshares is, of course, there's there's payments to make, there's fees that you have. Of course, they're going to have some sort of fee with this deed back, some sort of closing fee with this deed back. If you were interested in using this deed back clause to get out of your timeshare, which I think a lot of people who have grown t- tired of their timeshares want a way to get out. Uh, I would 
ask for an estimate or a, a an itemized estimate of what all the costs and fees to you would be. Just like if you were going to a house closing or something, you would get an estimate of costs and fees and, oh, it's going to be two more months before we can close it. So you're still obligated to pay all of these fees. What would it cost to you to get out of it? What would you get back and making sure that there are no further obligations from you? Uh, if they're just going to send you a contract straight away without any explanation, absolutely don't sign that. Who knows? They might be trying to sell you the whole company at that point. Um, but that that's that's what I that's where I'd start. I, I would look at what are all my costs to do this, and uh, making sure that you're you're out of all your timeshare. A- again, if if this is your goal to get out of the timeshare. Well, here's the the thing. Uh, over the phone, the lady told me uh, at the um, uh, timeshare resort told me no fees attached, mm-hmm. none. Okay. And then when I called back, finally about what was it, sixty days later. Um, she could offer me no information, but referred me to this person in Florida. Mm. So um, I didn't know what uh, was going to happen since then. Since I got myself into it years ago, uh, this was an inherited time chair. Mm. Oh, no lawyer. Um, I uh, paid the, uh, the fees in arrears to save my credit uh, rating, and it's just been a millstone, just like you said. Goodness. So um, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that uh, they they claim no fees attached and I have been sort of dithering waiting to mm-hmm. call this person in Florida and can you suggest how they might have uh, you know uh, shifted the whole problem from uh, Gulf Shores in Alabama to uh, coastal Florida. I think it's destined. Yeah. Well, I mean, that could be just as simple as maybe they moved corporate headquarters. Maybe they combined with another company. Maybe there was a local company overseeing it, but they've just shifted to a different company overseeing it. That that can happen all the time. The, the part that's a little more puzzling or worrying to me is just that they went from giving you information about it, at least over the phone, to just claiming they couldn't give you information. And the property manager is probably not the person who is going to handle the legal transaction. So that's a little odd that they referred you to a property manager, although maybe maybe that, that is just the wrong title. Um, ultimately, though, that a, a timeshare, if you're trying to get out of it, uh, perhaps talk with that original lawyer who got you stuck in it in the first place. All right, John, we're out of time. Thanks for your call. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks. The producer of podcasts for MPB is Jermaine Flood. So for Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us Tuesdays at 9 for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.